Hey you, thanks a lot for listening to Elwood City Limits this week. A uh, little bit of a technical glitch that we've had in the editing process. Uh, we accidentally snipped, I should say I, or Adobe Audition, accidentally snipped off about the first five minutes of the episode. Just to just to catch you up on what we talked about, uh, we started off, I uh, said Lucas kind of dressed like he was getting ready for golfing because it was a very hot day when we recorded, the first hot day that we've had here so far. Then we started off by reading an email from listener Corbon Garcia, and his question was about whether the characters on Arthur have ever acknowledged the fact that they're animals. And you join us about halfway through that discussion. The real meat of it managed to be saved. Uh, I don't know. Adobe just did did what it wanted and... Save the rest of the episode, thank goodness, but those first five minutes, unfortunately, are lost to time. So uh, you're going to be joining us mid-conversation. That's all you missed, and enjoy the episode. Thanks. Support for Elwood City Limits is brought to you by Facebook. Facebook.com slash Elwood City Limits. Twitter. At ECL Podcast. Tumblr. ElwoodCityLimits.tumblr.com. And Gmail. ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. And from listeners like you. Thank you. And my free time. Got to get that in there. Like, do they feel like making a joke about this person's specific animal characteristic? Uh, When um, I remember one of the main examples was... When Francine's dad is explaining the history of garbage, doesn't he? He either confirms or denies that they all think they're people. Like, yeah, it's like ever since humans have like walked mm, on the earth. That's what or he says. He says humans have walked the earth. But then I feel like there's been other times where people are like, "Oh, these I'm a bunny." He's well, a sa- yeah. he's a. We can confirm our Garfunkel believes him to be a sad, sad bunny. That's right. Um, but I don't know. The The only one I can remember ever acknowledging which animal he is is Buster, because when I was a kid, I, besides from Arthur being an aardvark, I didn't know, like, I wasn't sure what kind of animals everybody else was, because they, they don't really refer to themselves as that. Almost never. I so, think, uh, what's the moose's name? George. George. I feel like George and Buster are the only ones where what animal they are ever comes into play. Yeah. Like everyone else is kind of like a generic dog or cat or. And it's because and and it's, it's a lot of sometimes it's because of their their large head adornment, either their ears or their antlers. Exactly. That's that, it's those things that set them apart. They're not like when the Backstreet Boys come in. It's like I don't know. There's some animal. They just got ears. They look like the Backstreet Boys with ears. They're usually coming out of their heads. They're usually bears. Like Matt Damon, he's a bear. Yeah, your sure. guess is as good as mine, but he, he is uh, an the trick is to not think about it too much. <laughs> right. Also, if you didn't know, all new episodes of Arthur will be releasing throughout the week starting on Monday, May 29th. And there will be two hour-long specials coming out later this year. Uh, Whoa, wait a minute. That's it, actually kind of interesting. Yeah. Uh, in June, it's Arthur, DW, and the Beastly Birthday. DW's fifth birthday doesn't go the way that she planned when she decides to escape to the magical island of Ukubonga. Wait, what? Meanwhile, Arthur... <laughs> what? Meanwhile, Arthur has skipped her birthday party to go on a school trip to the planetarium, but instead of transporting him, to, him into outer space, it transports him four years in the future. Are you making this up, Will? No, no this is... He got this from the PBS Press website, did Corbon. Man, is Ukubunga po- problematic? That sounds problematic mm-hmm. to me. I, I saw the trailer for this. I think it's more of like a where the wild things are situation. Sure. So because there's like giant monsters and stuff. Um, that's wow. That's interesting. 
you know, thinking about long form Arthur is an int- like uh, the more I think about it, the more intrigued I am because we're so used to digesting these 22 minute chunks. But often a criticism we make is like, oh, I feel like we this could have had more time to mm-hmm. really flush out this story. So I wonder how well that goes over. And then in October, Arthur and the Haunted Treehouse. Francine meets an elderly woman with a very mysterious past, while Binky finds himself at Mr. Ratburn's amazing haunted house. What? And as for Arthur, Buster, and LaDonna, their treehouse huh? sleepover seems to be haunted, but by what? Man, the, these through lines, there's yeah. like a lot going on. That's right. I guess there has to be. It's like, that's so, that's, I don't hear about kids shows doing that that often. The last I can think of is like that Teen Titans made for TV movie where yeah. they went to Japan. I feel like maybe Adventure Time had like a special, but I might be making that up. I'm not sure. I'm sure it's happened, but it is pretty rare. And usually they're like released to video or something. Really cool concept though. Yeah. I, I, I'm, color me intrigued. That's the... The most interested I've been in modern Arthur, so. We were talking about something that we might want to do at some point for a longer form Arthur episode, oh, so we'll have to that. keep this under our hats. Thank you, Corbon. He says thanks for doing the show and appreciate the email. All right, let's get to it. Uh, the first story on tap today is one that you were very excited for last week, DW the Picky Eater. And this one is actually a cold open that isn't really like narrative focused. It kind of has one through line by Arthur into the rest of the episode, but it is kind of more setting up the episode than anything else. Uh, It's DW helping mom to unpack the groceries and we get a little bit of a peek into the foods that she likes and doesn't like. (laughs) This is funny because it feels so oddly specific that it had to be almost biographical. Like one of the writers has kids and they just literally like wrote down the few foods there, the few foods their kid enjoys. Well, I'll get to it in a second, but some of the, some of this sounded a little too familiar. So the first thing mom hands her is is a fish, which, you know, straight from the... Uh, um, the Fish market. Fish market. Thank you. The fish market section of the grocery store, and DW doesn't like that it's looking at her, which totally understandable. Raw fish is pretty weird to look at at the grocery store when you're a kid, and you're just like, but I don't eat that. I eat, like, fish sticks. Mommy, that that fish looks like Katy Perry in that new video. (laughs) Which new video? The one where she's, like, Migos, she's, like, under plastic wrap. What? And then the chef's cooker. The new Katy Perry video is buck wild, my dude. This isn't Chain to the Rhythm, is it? No, 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 no. It's her new song with Migos. Oh, great. And she's, she's, the chefs have to prepare Katy Perry. Ugh. And she's under plastic, much like the fish that's looking at DW. <sighs> Millennials. And she also thinks that olives, a jar of olives, are green eyeballs. So I didn't so much follow the story here. What I did was is that I wrote down a <laughs> an ongoing tally of DW's favorite foods and her least favorite foods. There wasn't much of a story. The gist is uh, DW is a picky eater. Yes. In fact, in, fact, in, that's what, in fact, that's the setup <laughs> sentence of my sister DW is what you might call a picky eater. So what she does like... Uh, at least from this cold open, is peanut butter and jelly, okay. white white bread, sure. and red freezy pops. Loaded with sugar, all of them. I didn't even catch that it's specifically red freezy pops. You hand her an orange freezy pop. You know, no, because get she's, that mess out of no, here. No, she says when she comes to the kitchen, she's like, I hope you got the red freezy pops because I only like the red ones. Wow. And then or- Arthur says orange and purple are good too. <laughs> And she says, but red tastes better. Shout out to Arthur on that one. Yeah, orange and purple, those were the ones that were my jam. Get that red stuff out of here. DW hates fish, olives, cucumbers, tomatoes, spinach, and uh, crusts on bread. And and to, and to the last one we get is the spinach, 
where we get this really haggard close-up on DW. She's got like all these wrinkles on her face. She's just like, just like spinach is the most disgusting food in the universe. Just and just like really focusing on her eyes. Like, well, there's okay, a lot we got of serious. there's a lot of really good DW close-ups in this episode. Yeah, there are. I noticed that too. Uh, and then the episode starts off with DW listing off more foods she doesn't like. Before so, we get that, I just wanted to say yeah. uh, during the whole sequence where she's like looking at the fish in the plastic wrap. Uh, DW's mom's like, or it might be Arthur, is like, you've eaten fish before. And yeah, she's like, it's never it. looked at me before. That's true. <laughs> exactly. That's the that's the dissonance of like, how do I eat this thing that looks at me in the grocery store? But it doesn't look like that when you make it. Now, before we really get into this episode, I got to ask you, Will. Uh-huh. Do you consider yourself a picky eater? No. No. You're down for whatever. Pretty much. Unless it's uh, the ice cream, the Buster orders. You're down for whatever. Even then- Depending, like it's like as long as they're not like a chicken leg stick. I was just gonna say the chicken leg one. <laughs> what about you? Uh, I used to be when I was a little kid. I had a really unrefined palate. Like all I wanted was like mac and cheese and hot dogs, typical kid stuff. As an adult, I find that I'm pretty open to uh, almost anything. I still have some hangups. Like I don't like rice, but it's a texture thing. Like okay. I just, I, I, it makes me gag. Oh, oh, for sure, there are some foods that I'm not a fan of. But you know, compared to when I was say DW's age, when like. My family would take me to Pizza Hut, and I would only get spaghetti because I was convinced I would hate pizza. Wow. Now, that's, that's, that's kind of crazy. 200 pounds later, I don't hate pizza. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I've really tried to branch out in my adult life, and so I actually really enjoy the process of trying something I've never tried before mm, and, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. experiencing new flavors and textures. For so sure. So I no longer consider myself a picky eater, but mm-hmm. I definitely was one back in the day. Who knows what you could be missing out on. Uh, some other foods that DW hates include stinky cheese, tappy. Oh, t- she's missing out. Tapioca. Again, missing out. Lima beans, mushrooms, and onions. Oh, onions are so good. I think that was the one that offended me the most when I yeah, heard Yeah, onions that. are really good. Because she was like, not only did she not like onions, and she goes, they're sticky too. And I'm like, okay, first and, of all- And smelly. That has nothing to do with the taste. No. Uh, second of all, onions make everything better. Saute some onions. You can throw it on anything yeah. savory, and it'll improve the taste. That sounds good. But the food she does like are strawberries, chocolate, <laughs> birthday cake, and chocolate ice cream. And it's it, so funny. And it, was he- and it was here that I realized that DW has the exact same type of- of uh, likes and dislikes as my girlfriend. Oh, yeah? My girlfriend oh, is. Oh, you know what? I remember your girlfriend going on a little Twitter thread mm-hmm. uh, about all the things she didn't like food-wise. Mm-hmm. I think it was like a hot take. Yeah, it was like you uh, put in your hottest food take. And <sighs> she, she's, it's, cr- if I may borrow a Mancini-ism, it's crazy. It's all the tat- stuff she doesn't like. But if for her- It's unreasonable. Well, for her, it's, I, you know, live, living with her low these many years, I understand why. It's because she's got um, really sensitive taste buds. So, oh, I see. like, really outrageous tastes, like, just don't agree with her. Like, one of the things that she hates is, the most is, like, vinegar. Like, she can barely be in the room with it. Bro, like, I, I used- can't Or I can't eat, like- pickles that have been, you know, in the brine because like she's like I can't even like breathe next to her. She's like go brush your teeth. I uh oh, man, I hope she listens to this cuz when I was a little kid, my mom uh favorite uh snack at the Mancini residence was sliced cucumber with some salt and vinegar on it. Nice. And when I ate all the cucumbers, I just drank the dang vinegar off the <laughs> plate, boy. Oh! Yeah, that's right. 
You're like me. That's how hardcore I am. You're like me when I would get the uh, McDonald's ketchup in the little thing, and then I would just eat the ketchup. Yeah, just throw her back. There's so much. Su- there's so much sugar in there that it's basically. Its oh own food. yeah, most ketchup is like 99 percent sugar. <laughs> oh yeah, it's good. Um, anyway, so I, I will say I have a friend who's like the opposite of your girlfriend. Okay. He was like born with. Um, like without as many, uh, without a sense of smell, so he can't taste as much as other people. Oh no! And so, like his favorite thing, like he doesn't like turkey because he says it tastes like nothing to him. Wow! So what he'll do is bad. like he just makes ramen and just loads it, just loads it with stuff to make it as like spicy as possible, so he can taste it. Wow! Like, <laughs> Your girlfriend and this guy are like Mr. Glass and Bruce Willis <laughs> in uh, Unbreakable, <laughs> except specifically with taste sensations. Uh, yeah, so a lot of DW's favorite foods are my girlfriend's favorite foods. <laughs> Maybe not. I don't think she likes birthday cakes. She likes. She prefers ice cream cakes, so just substitute that. But I was just like, hmm, this sounds really familiar. <laughs> DW also doesn't like what dad has for dinner. It's Hawaiian shrimp, and it looks to be just kind of shrimp in a kind of sauce with pineapple. Looks pretty good. It looks pretty good. Though I will say, it's kind of nuts that they try to feed this to baby Kate. I said that too. I I was like, (laughs) (laughs) that's like, uh, listen, I don't know. (laughs) Maybe a baby can totally eat shrimp. Uh, That seems mm, like a choking hazard to me. Like full-sized shrimp tails sticking out of the plate. And baby Kate's just trying to eat it with her hands. It's not a sight I've seen before. It seems really... Cheerios, these are not. Questionable. Like, I'm not so sure. Sure, like my sister is introducing my niece to like all kinds of food and stuff. Even then, like with fish, that's got to be a controlled environment because you never know if they're going to have like a shellfish allergy. That's true. So hopefully they've done their homework. Arthur's dad's getting it out of the way early. <laughs> now or never, rip off well, the bandage. Well, he's well, he's a cook, so he's got to know if his daughter can handle fish or not. I noted here the animation in this one is a little bit it's felt felt different from a lot of other episodes. It reminded me of like a Comedy Central adult cartoon show, just in the way that a lot of the uh, the expressions were kind of accentuated in favor of, like, big cartoonish, like, physical movements. It seemed like a lot of it was going into the subtleties of the uh, of the expressions of the characters. Remind me, like, of earlier, not early, early, but, like, earlier singles, uh, single-numbered seasons of The Simpsons or, like, The Critic or something. Oh, okay. I don't know. Critic's just, a good poll. Uh, anyway, just kind of got that got that idea. So we cut to uh, the Reed family at like a swanky restaurant. DW's picking stuff out of her salad and realizes that her salad is uh, has spinach leaves instead of lettuce. This is so over the top. It, yeah, <laughs> this goes this goes so far. It was here I noticed it the expression <laughs> thing because Arthur is about to bring the fork to his mouth and then just. Uh, his eyes go over to her. Oh, she's gonna pop! And then DW like literally is like, she's like heaving. I'm just like, this is spinach. Uh, the, the waiter comes over. She's like, this is spinach, and I hate spinach. And then just like hits the plate. It goes in that big cartoon arc right on top of the waiter's head and gets all that spinach, including the vinaigrette dressing, in his uh, in his bald head. And then he summarily quits. Yeah, he goes, that's it. I quit. Yeah. That was the the straw that broke the camel's back. What I'm confused about this, and I get that it need again, it's one of those things where it needs to happen so we can have an episode because if she just didn't like it and pushed it away, her parents would be that mad at her. Right. So she really needed to have a freak out so they would punish yeah, her. She needs but to like who rude. does this <laughs> when you don't like something, you're outraged. Well uh, I guess you have to think back to when you weren't allowed to order for yourself at a yeah. restaurant, maybe, but it's still weird to me that someone would be like presented with a food they didn't like and their reaction 
reaction would be to like throw it in the air and yell. It's definitely on the more extreme side of what you might expect a little kid to do. And even then it would be like she would be in trouble, which she kind of is. As they go back home, Grandma Thor has been taking care of Kate. And uh, <laughs> Arthur is bursting to tell Grandma Thor about this. It's just like, I was like, oh, you're back really soon. And Arthur's like, DW launched her salad bowl and it exploded. And then mom and dad give him this great like just stare down from the corner of their eyes like shut up which is actually a great piece of continuity because like that is often happening to Arthur Arthur will do something and DW will immediately blow up his spot yeah and so it was fun he jumped on the chance once the tables had turned yeah uh, so <laughs> DW is in trouble she gets sent to her room because she you know needs to accept food that's put in front of her which is a big lesson as a kid like when you're older you get to you know, make your own decisions about what you want to eat or what you don't like to eat. But when you're a kid, you kind of got to suck it up. And especially because you haven't tried everything. So you don't know if you don't like things by the look of them. It's dropped here that Grandma Thora's birthday is coming up soon. And they're going to go to a restaurant called Once Upon a Restaurant. But Grandma Thora, ever the grandmother, says that if DW can't join them since, or sorry, I should say, I should say Mom intimated that DW won't be joining them to Once Upon a Restaurant. But Grandma Thor doesn't want to leave her out, so she'd just be happy to have uh, dinner at the Reed house, which Arthur gets wicked upset about. Like, he get, he goes, I wrote here, Arthur the Drama King. He gets so upset that he can't go to this themed restaurant, mind you, for somebody else's birthday, <laughs> which they have every right to say, I don't really want to go there. And then, and then we'll get into it in a bit more detail, but he goes into this elaborate fantasy scenario oh my about how he's... He's never allowed to do anything without DW. Just like, I, I, oh man, he is really making this about him. So, a couple things. Uh, <laughs> we kind of get a clearer picture of why Arthur would be so excited to go to someone else's birthday at this restaurant later on. And as far as we know now, this is just like a medieval times stand-in. Yeah, yeah. It's a lot more elaborate, we'll soon learn. Kind of to the point where it's like, how is this restaurant still in yeah. business? And themed restaurants are pretty cool when you're a little kid. I, I can't say I've ever been to one. I haven't even been to a medieval. Even, even, I haven't even been to a medieval time. Well, even I'd say even just going to a restaurant was really fun when I was a kid because it's like, oh, it's something my mom hasn't made. This is awesome. Now when I'm older, I'm just like, I wish my mom would make all my meals again. Uh, yeah. Any, well, the most I can think of is like as a kid being like, oh, we get to go to Olive Garden when we're in the states. I'm just gonna eat a ton of breadsticks. Nice. Though I always did want to go to the the fake pizza place and re and not recess uh, the weekenders. That yeah. show had a different pizza oh, place every time. Yeah, that's and right. It, like it always changed the theme, get which is a terrible business model. But like it always be like, oh, that'd be really cool. Get some, get some chugga freezes. Chugga freeze, exactly. Um, you want to get into this uh, <laughs> Arthur's uh, nightmare, his day nightmare? Boy, do I! So this is set off by just Arthur's being like, "Am I supposed to do everything with DW?" So he imagines himself. I'm gonna say at least in his 30s, if not if not older, uh, as Captain Reed, he is taking a spaceship to go to Jupiter, and he again, this is uh, which can't you not land on Jupiter? Isn't it like a gas giant? Yeah. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> it's like one big storm or something. Anyway, Arthur's upset. He doesn't know what he's saying. Uh, <laughs> he um, and this is again voice actors having to be the voice, pretending to be a different voice because it's Arthur doing an older version of himself. Just like, you know, how does it feel to be the first astronaut to go to Jupiter? I've been preparing for this for 20 years, and I am very <laughs> excited. 
It's like Arthur putting on like a like a stereotypical white guy voice. Just yeah. like I am very excited to go there. <laughs> you can hear throughout this whole thing of just like you know the countdown is on. Just like shuttle will launch in sixty seconds. It's very and Apollo thirteen. And Arthur's just like sauntering up to the spaceship. He's taking interviews. I'm like, dude, it's leaving in like thirty <laughs> seconds. You got to get in there now. <laughs> like you can't just dawdle around this. This is this is serious business. You're going to Jupiter, uh, and then a lab coat man just kind of runs out just like Captain Reed it's, it's great he's got this like kind of southern accent he's like where's your sister DW isn't she going with you and then there's this, this is like of course not why would she be going into space with me I love doing that Arthur voice and then he just kind of the, the lab coat pulls out this huge like walkie talkie cell right. phone I forgot about and, this and it's just like and you can just hear him under his breath number 345 DW is not with him right now he says she is not going on she is not going and then just one of the guys back in Mission Control just goes, scrub it. And yeah, he goes, scrub it. Uh, and, and it's it, almost too fast to catch. I had to go back and be like, wait, what did that guy say? And he's like, scrub it. As if to, as if to say, if this trained astronaut, it's just so ridiculous. That's what makes <laughs> this whole thing work, is that it's treated with an air of like seriousness. Yeah. Like it's it's all shot and paced like an Apollo 13 scene or like uh, yeah. uh, uh, what's that the movie? Right, the right stuff? The right stuff. <laughs> but the whole situation's so ludicrous because again, it's one of those things where the fantasy directly plays yeah. into Arthur's anxieties. Uh, we're getting a very, very direct look into Arthur's psyche it's, here. It's just Arthur being dramatic and then just... But, oh, it's so good. And then of course course they like literally like press a button and there's just like there's been a mistake this mission is being canceled and then like they even like of course because this is just arthur's flimsiest excuse to be mad just like you know the rules you can't do anything without your sister and there's a great no <laughs> uh overhead arthur shot so that was that was pretty funny uh I like this scene set up here. Arthur's seeing like he has only a week until Grandma Thor's birthday. So he uh, needs to get DW to like broaden her palette, basically. Uh, and there's a nice like cal- there's like, a n- nice mood lighting by the calendar. There's a nice overhead lamp. Uh, I, also, I also noted here this is before Pal has his collar. So he's just a newly minted member of the Reed family. So this is on the Arthur timeline. This is BC mm. before collar. That's right. It, it, I want... When Arthur beats Ganon, that's when uh, uh, Buster Baxter, that's where Francine Francie's superstar happens if Arthur beats Ganon. If Ganon succeeds, we have the alternate timeline where we get, uh, I'm trying to remember episode names. I'm I'm just enjoying watching you flail. (laughs) Uh, So Arthur's first idea is to take DW by Once Upon a Restaurant and hopefully look inside, see how cool it is, and that'll inspire her to kind of, you know, Shape up essentially. You, you said um, great DW reactions. There's this one was here. Another one I There's one here of. where her eyes go super big when she sees the unicorn. She's like unicorn, <laughs> and it's and it's Arthur being. A lot of this is like Arthur being super obvious, which is really funny because just like let's stop our bikes and look in. Look, it's once upon a restaurant. Let us take a look, DW. And just like really laying it on thick, and you know the joke there is like, wouldn't you like uh, to see the unicorn up close and personal for Grandma's birthday? Yes. Really? Sure, but how are we going to get it to our house? (laughs) So that one didn't work. He's trying to workshop ideas at the Sugar Bowl uh, where another Buster eating weird stuff. He's dipping his fries into what looks to be chocolate ice cream with sprinkles. Um, That's like a thing, though. People, uh, they swear by the, the fries in the shake 
the the fr- dipping your fries into your shake is like a very common practice. Yeah, people do that at like Wendy's when they get a frosty. So it's not like Francine and Muffy are like, Ugh, but I'm like, eh, it's not that unusual. I've definitely heard of that before. Yeah, I found this interesting. So Francine is about to like go on and on about Once Upon a Restaurant. She's just like, they have boats that take you right to your, and Muffy kind of like elbows her. And I'm like, that's interesting. Like, I would think that if you were writing that scene, Muffy would be the one who would be going oh. on, but, and Francine would stop her. But this is like, Muffy has tact for once and is just like, shut up. It's like, true. You're, Muff- you're making this worse. Muffy's proven before that she's she, usually she, the one to run her mouth. Yeah, she's not, she's not as self aware as Francine. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Let's just pause there though there's boats in the restaurant well we'll we'll, we'll get there we'll this see, is a we'll real see, like we'll see that with our own two eyes yeah we're starting to get a clearer picture of like oh okay this is less medieval times and more west edmonton mall yeah like. or like disney world or something <laughs> uh <laughs> love this line here buster just like idly eating his fries and his suggestion is hey why don't you trick her <laughs> Like, thanks, Bust. And, it, and Arthur's like, hey. I'm like, yeah, okay, sure. If, if we we're going to make a D&D Arthur character chart, Buster's proving to be more and more chaotic good every day. Or maybe even chaotic neutral. Sure. Now that I think about it. Well, that would be a good one. D&D alignment chart for the Arthur characters. So they're, and again, them being super obvious, it's Arthur and Buster in the treehouse anticipating that DW will overhear them. You know, Arthur just basically yelling, boy, Buster, this peanut butter and jelly sandwiches the best I've ever tasted and great line here from Buster just but oh look I've made too many can I just say this plan of all their plans they come up with this one in particular was absolutely failed from the start like <laughs> this is a horrible horrible idea <laughs> like so? uh yeah let's let's get into it I'll explain exactly why this is a terrible terrible idea so they made peanut butter and jelly sandwiches that they anticipate DW will want to eat because they've been <laughs> building it up so much and Actually, to be honest with you, I think the problem here was in the uh, was in the landing. They didn't stick the landing here. So DW takes a bite out of one. She seems to like it, keeps eating it. And then as she's eating it, uh, Buster says, it's like, she loves it. There's nothing that perks up a PBJ sandwich like spinach. And the DW just immediately spits it out. And I'm like, Buster, dude, that's what you say when she finishes. And she says, that was really good. And I'm like, oh, yeah? Well, you ate spinach. Oh, wait a minute. I think I misunderstood this scene. I was under the impression that they had hid spinach in the peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. They did. In- oh, okay. I See, what I was just thinking in my mind was, oh, maybe they were going to... Give her the normal PB and J and tell her that it's no, 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 no. I think to they trick her into thinking. No, she likes I, I think they made it. With oh, spinach okay. Then it. it's still totally flawed. <laughs> spinach tastes terrible in a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Oh, probably. That would taste absolutely horrendous. Uh, bad enough that it would turn you off the taste of spinach forever. Because imagine, let me paint you a picture here. You're biting into a peanut butter jelly sandwich, expecting the taste of peanut butter j- jelly, and then you get a big old wet, soggy yeah. piece of spinach in the middle, texture-wise and surprise flavor-wise, yeah. you're never going to want to have spinach again. But, but How do they expect this to play out? But, Were they? Was she going to be like, mmm, so good? Well, she seemed to like it at first. That's true. That's because she did get into the spinach bite. Mm. Uh, so I think it's more logical to assume that their plan was like, this is just a straight-up lie. Like, oh yeah, every peanut butter jelly sandwich has spinach in it. That's what jelly comes from. And then she would believe uh, that she likes the taste. I don't think so. Uh, either way... It's ludicrous, but it is. We get one of the most grotesque, ar- grotesque Arthur shots of all time, yeah. as we have a camera that's on the ground, facing up 
on the treehouse, and then we get DW vomiting directly onto yeah. the camera, which is like nothing I've ever seen on network television, <laughs> let alone a children's cartoon. It's a real barfo rama moment. Uh, so that one is a failure. Arthur's a little bit depressed. Um, Francine and Muffy's suggestion is that if she sees... Uh, if DW sees somebody she admires eating spinach, then she'll be more likely to eat it, which is better than that first plan. For sure. This one's actually just kind of failed by random chance. Yeah, and but I'm also kind of confused. Like, <laughs> so, so just like, Arthur's like, good idea, but who does she admire? And then everybody kind of looks at Muffy. I'm like, why does she admire Muffy? Muffy's a big baller. I guess. DW, hey, game record. She's got that big baller brand. Yeah. Oh, yikes. Don't get me started. <laughs> Jeez. Shout out to LeVar Ball. Oh, man. That's a, whole, that's a podcast for another day. But I will say that, uh, you know, game recognized game. DW's a player. Muffy's a player. You got to respect. She puts respect on that name. You know what I'm saying? Like... I'm not, uh, a pl- I'm not a player. I just spend a lot. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you can recognize <laughs> LeVar Ball. I was not planning on talking about that today. Let me tell well, you. It's okay. We don't have to. Oh, uh, so uh, Muffy, her plan is like bring them to the mansion. She has a big bowl, big plate of spinach, and she, tr- and she goes to eat it, but then a fly gets on it, and she like throws it up in the air. So DW is like, I guess that didn't work. <laughs> it's just like, Call oh. it off. Scrub it. As a, a scientist Scrub it. Yeah. So, I don't know. I guess that just didn't work. <laughs> and then Francine's idea is uh, to feed it to Kate. And, I mean, uh, she'll eat shrimp. Yeah, I guess so. But even so, the bowl of spinach that they have for Kate, that's a lot of spinach <laughs> for a baby to eat. That's like a me-sized serving of spinach. This one, I think, is more about kind of shaming her into eating spinach because, you know, it's like mm. they're feeding it to Kate and then DW runs it. She's like, don't eat it. And then Arthur's just well, like, again, which again is a little bit confusing. Like, is she just trying to warn Kate from the bad taste or like does she believe spinach will harm her in some way? I don't know. This plays into her overreaction earlier where she's like freaking out at the table like, how dare someone try and serve me spinach? It, it, the way she reacts to them feeding Kate spinach is as if it's poison. Like, Kate, don't do yeah. it. And uh, Arthur's just like, Kate is a big girl. She's not a baby that throws tantrums when she there's something she doesn't like. True. And, and then Francine says, if you're not a baby, then prove it. And hands her like a spoon. So she's really trying to, again, shame her into doing this. And then, But then all of a sudden, Kate just kind of spits up her spinach, as babies do. And then and then DW's like, well, looks like I'm not the only one with good taste around here. She does this baller spin flick of the, sp- of the spinach into Arthur's spoon, and it's like one fluid motion. It's awesome. And she stains his sweater. Like, she gets spinach all over his sweater. We get this great shot of Arthur being like, oh, that didn't work either. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so they're out of options at this point, and Arthur, everything except Plan X, says Arthur. And this episode is like tricking a kid 101. <laughs> These are all the tactics to use if you want to if you want to trick your little sister, your child into doing something that they initially don't want to do. Because this last one is I, is the best of them it's all. It's a masterclass in deception. Because it works. Uh, so Arthur is on the phone with presumably Grandma Thora and having a very loud and obvious conversation. <laughs> but DW's four, so who cares? Uh, just saying that now they are going to Once Upon a Restaurant and will be leaving DW behind. Uh, and and he's like, you know, pretending to try and get DW away from the phone. She's trying to get to it. He says, uh, DW, isn't there some dancing vegetable on TV? Yeah, just really just trying to get her away. And then is eventually he leads her around into yelling into the phone that she'll be coming to grandma's party and she'll be lots of fun. And then she runs to the kitchen to tell mom and dad that she'll eat something, 
try something new and eat it all. And then it turns out Arthur was on the phone with Buster the whole time. I snorted so loud at Buster's impression of Arthur's Glad I can help you, Sonny. Buster's just like sitting on the floor next to his bed. Uh, uh, he's he's <laughs> implicated his, in his, this crime. With just, his cord phone. Yeah, he's just so happy to trick a four-year-old. All right, so now it is Grandma Thor's birthday dinner. Now we can talk about Once Upon a Restaurant. Oh, my goodness. Which, like you said, I don't know how they're making enough money to stay afloat. It's, I mean, first of all, the outside of it looks like, you know, the medieval castle with the flags and the rookeries and stuff. Inside, they're taken to their... They're taken to their seat by boat. By gondola. By go- a swan gondola. A yeah. swandola. And, uh, yeah, they're led there by boat along this, like, canal. Which begs the question, how big is this facility? Good question. And if they have to get to their seat by boat, like, how are the waiters getting to the tables in time? Where's the kitchen located? There's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of um, questions here. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> there's uh, somebody getting a birthday cake, and there's, like, a dragon that's spitting open flames <laughs> to light the candles. This is a serious affair. Oh, yeah, wait a minute. <laughs> wait, hold up. Pause. Okay. What was up with that dragon? Like, is magic real in the art universe? It's a fake dragon. Okay. You Where did t- the fire come from? It's it's a machine. You can tell it's a machine. So this is like the fire marshal's like, yeah, you could have a propane open torch flame to light these candles. No, yeah. big, no big, no issue. Hey, I've been to restaurants before where they like cook with an open flame at your table. For sure. Me too. Was not this big. <laughs> this this dragon was like straight up rain of fire about to like burn Matthew McConaughey flame. <laughs> and uh, their seats seem to be in the pirate ship section. Right. There's like there's, there's like a whole pirate ship. Like, within this themed restaurant which again pirate ships it's kind of I don't think pirates existed at the same time as King Arthur's Court but whatever. Uh, it's it's fairy tales. That's that's that's, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. a loose thing for sure. But the fact that there could be like this building, this incl- it's not like it's an outdoor facility, like this enclosed warehouse that I assume they re. I love it. I, I like last episode we were talking about this giant fantasy museum that has every famous piece of historical art in it. I love this insane restaurant. Maybe that's why Arthur was so excited to go with Grandma Thora is that it's so expensive yeah. to like rent a table there because it's like this luxurious LARPing experience. <laughs> it's like it's it's like when um, Michael Douglas's brother bought the game for him in the game. <laughs> like it's, it's just something for rich people to do. Yeah, it's exactly it's exactly that. Like Arthur's parents got mailed a key and it was like the game may begin. You will it will lead you to this medieval restaurant. I would love to see Arthur play the game. Oh, Arthur would be so bad at the game. Like he'd be like Buster Buster would be the one where like Arthur's like pulls out this car and like Buster gets out and he's got all these keys and he's like they got to be man. You got to get away. They're everywhere. Arthur's like Buster, what are you talking about? I got to uh, see I got to see that movie. I haven't seen that movie. You, yet. Wait, you haven't seen the game? Not yet. Uh it's got some major 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 plot holes. Yeah. I'm like sure, I'm sure if it you does. think about it for a second too long, that whole movie falls apart. But that's like what about it's a super, super underrated David Fincher movie. I love the game. Well, yeah, I've seen almost all of Fincher's movies, so I want to fill in the film. Ooh, it's on like upper echelon for me. It's it's I would nice. put it near the higher of the list than like say 
what's David Fincher's worst movie? Panic like, Room. Panic. It's either Panic Room or Girl with a Dragon Tattoo. I'd say. So. Sure. I haven't I haven't seen uh, Girl Drank Tattoo either. It's okay. Not yet. Uh, so yeah, they get led to their seats. Uh, like the servers, there's like one who's dressed as a princess. There's one who's dressed as Red Riding Hood. It's like that's got to be fun. Uh, so they get their BB Hood from Darksiders. <laughs> what a pull! She pulls out a Uzi. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so they get served and they have their uh, they get served and they have their um, they have their dinner, which looks pretty good. Uh, uh, Arthur has Wicked Witch Weenies, which I th- always thought looked pretty good. I mean, I guess. It doesn't exactly seem like fine dining, though. It's kind of like sliced up sausages and beans. Yeah, but, you know, maybe they do it, I, you do know it what? right. That's, that's how they save money for the big production is they kind of s- skimp mm-hmm. on the food. Could be. It's like the robot restaurant in Japan. The food sucks, but you get to see those robots fight. Right. Uh, and mom and dad get uh, lobsters for two, which like, all right. I don't want to have a lobster in a restaurant, like especially a fancy dress restaurant. I'd rather have a lobster at home where I can wear my sweats. I can I can get it like dirty and wet and all that stuff, and just be a just be a gross pig about it. I think that's something very specific to where we live. I, I mean, think uh, in most places, the only place you'd be able to get I lobster see. is a fancy yeah. restaurant. I, yeah. uh, we're we have lobster privilege. Yeah, uh, no, okay, that's true. Living, that's a good, that's a good point. Where we do <laughs> probably in quote unquote Boston, you mm. probably won't have that same. All right, fair point. And DW, her thing is Little Bo Peep Pot Pie, which she tries. I, I want to know what Grandma Thora got, because they said oh. everybody except Grandma Thora. Uh, which she she know. tries a bite of, she likes, and she eats the whole thing. Quick question. Is Little Bo, Bo Peep Pot Pie real? I don't think so. Uh, because, yeah. Cause well, was, well, Pot Pie is. Okay, because I was talking to my parents about this recently. Uh, I don't remember why, but this episode came up. Because as a kid, I always believed it to be a real dish. I think right. I had it confused. I always wanted to try it. I think I had it confused with shepherd's pie or just a, a regular like stew pie, mm-hmm. uh, like you said, a pot pie. So I always considered, I always thought that Little Bo Peep Pot Pie was real, but I think this episode came up recently about how DW was a picky eater. My parents remembered it. And they were like, yeah, that's not a real thing. Like, Little Bo Peep Pot Pie is just in that Arthur episode. I didn't go to the lengths of looking it up, but hey, if uh, you have evidence of real life Little Bo Peep Pot Pie, maybe even a recipe, please email us. Sure. CityLimits at gmail.com. Do your parents listen to the, to the show? No. Okay. Uh, no, Little Bo Peep Pot Pie, I think it's just a kind of like, you know, like a chicken pot pie or a beef pot pie or something like that, which, that you know. That is a secret ingredient. Yes. Uh, so DW eats the whole thing. Uh, her dad tries to get the recipe. And this is this is basically the end of the episode. And this is like really, I don't think this is an Arthur book, but man, it ends like one. And that's not a criticism. It's just like, it's the type of thing that you've read, that I've read in all kinds of kids books. So it's just like. You take a, uh, it's like, you know, what's, what's in the, in the pot pie? Just like you take a pie pastry and fill it up with lots and lots of spinach. And then just like the, like that kind of sting. And then everybody looks at DW shocked. And she's like, why is everybody looking at me? I love spinach. Everyone knows that. And that's the end of the episode. But it's, it was just really like, yeah, that's the kind of thing you pull in the kids book where it's just like, turns out that thing was made of spinach. And then she loved spinach. And they're like, you would be able, I don't know. Like the real would, treasure was the spinach we ate along the way. I guess so. But it's like, you I've got to think that there's got to be more stuff in that pie than just like a spinach filling. <laughs> I think people were so surprised. Yes, I would assume that it's not just a pie crust filled with spinach. Yeah. But they were so shocked by the spirit, the spinach revelation that they didn't have time to ask for the other ingredients. It was a real 
Kaiser Soze moment. DW's looking around. The bottom of the coffee, coffee cup says spinach on it. She's like, <laughs> The bulletin board says yeah, spinach. The bulletin board's like, spinach. <laughs> Little Bo Beef. All right, yeah, that's the end of that one. And now a word from us kids. With all the basketball references we made so okay, far, yeah. uh, the first kid they interview has a awesome dead stock vintage Charlotte Hornets t-shirt on. Mm. Shout out to that kid. I'd buy that off Instagram if he still had it. This is the most excited I've ever been to talk about a now word from us kids. This is the first a word from us kids I've remembered. Like all the word from us kids, maybe I've I've this word from us kids is burned into my brain almost <laughs> as much as DW puking onto the camera earlier. It's burned into my brain now, but maybe for the wrong reasons. So it's Oh no, it was the wrong reasons when I first saw it too. Kids are ta- uh, kids in a uh, you know, I'm going I'm guessing a third grade class taking over their school kitchen to make the craziest sandwiches they can and we get a whole lot of visuals of their crazy concoctions and a few of them uh, share their recipes with us. And they these- interview this one kid who like you could tell he's very excited to be on camera because he's decided to talk like some sort of robot alien yeah. for the entirety of he, the segment. You could tell what he's really into at a young age. He's yeah. a young buster. <laughs> exactly. You know, um, you know, just like we are making the craziest sandwiches with our third grade class, like that kind of thing. I'm yeah. like, all right. Uh, so, all right. So all I r- wrote down for this, aside from the setup, was... Their descriptions of their sandwiches. Oh, lovely. Because I, I also want to say, before you get into these descriptions of yeah. the sandwiches, it's not just the visual shock and horror of the monstrosities. Horror is a good word. The monstrosities these kids put together. There's also this crazy, crazy synthesizer. There is. They that's go nuts underlying this whole thing. But it's not just like a normal synth. Like it's like it's like fart synth. Uh, uh, they have like this wobble placed on it. Like yeah. like they're they're changing it. It's like a whammy bar. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like this whammy bar where it's this alien noise like again you often get the idea that the whoever's editing word from us kids knows what they're doing like right, right. When, I remember when the kids were coming up with their monsters and that one kid had the really grotesque one and the guy put the scary music under it yeah like whoever edited this was like okay these sandwiches it, are are it, gross it really is, let's put some let's put some like Trent, Re- Trent Reznor on lean synthesizer under <laughs> this just <laughs> well yeah it's like I probably can't get the audio for it but it's just like <laughs> it's like a cat and a fart mixed together uh, but okay so it, it, it seems like something that uh, Hank Hill would be listening to when he said by god good it's god all- it's nothing but toilet sounds <laughs> <laughs> so some of the concoctions include ice cream and chocolate chips on white bread you know what? That's not actually that bad. There's like a Dutch dessert uh, that my girlfriend and their family have when they have like a big get together okay. where it's like white bread with like chocolate sprinkles on it. Mm. Um, it's got a special dust Dutch name, but it's like a Dutch thing that Dutch people eat. Dutch, Dutch, uh, Dutch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, pass that Dutch. Uh, Missy Elliott. But uh, it's actually <laughs> that's actually pretty good. Um, All right. So this wouldn't be uh, – white bread. It gets – it gets worse. It gets much worse. White bread's already like cake anyway. So yeah, it really fine. is with all the sugar in it. Uh, the next one is popcorn, okay. macaroni salad, and chocolate chips. There are chocolate chips on every single sandwich. It's it's like when you go to the the yogurt place and you gotta. We've talked about this before. You have to pace yourself. Yes. You just can't put anything on. For instance, popcorn and, and macaroni salad. 
That's you know what? That's not that crazy. No, it's the chocolate chips that ruin yeah, that one. Yeah, then you're in, then you're adding a whole different type of flavor in there, and you're you're getting into one of the things I hate most in this life. It's competing flavors. Mm. It's why you can't have you can't have celery in a salad. You're all you're gonna do is taste the celery. And that's and that's just one of this. That's just my go-to. They're competing flavors. I'm not for it. Uh, then then there's a little girl's just like it's like this one's great if you have a sweet tooth, chocolate chips and sprinkles. And it's just like I'm not. And this isn't me making fun. Of it. I thought it's just really just like the sprinkles. I'm just like oh, that's cute, but also disgusting. Uh, then uh, then the al- the kid who's talking like a robot. Man, this guy like this is the one we've been building up to. I think I'm annoyed by this kid just specifically because I see myself in him. Fair like enough. I totally would have been like, oh, I'm on TV. I am going to do an affectation for the entirety of this segment, <laughs> and I could just I could just picture like the teacher off camera being like, all right, Jimmy, do you want to do like maybe a normal take of this? one this time and he goes who is Jimmy my name is Zutu I am from (laughs) planet bad sandwich Uh, but sometimes he does do a couple of like he doesn't do it all the time that's true sometimes he does a normal he's just trying to you know 15 minutes of fame I know what you're saying I don't want to be too hard on him because like when the camera's on you as a kid like who knows but yeah so on his if if this was in 2017 this kid would have hit the dab after he described totally they all would have So on his uh, sandwich is his Sam's Flying Saucer Sandwich. Pizza, pasta, hot dogs, <laughs> cheese, chocolate chips, corn, pickles, cookies, apples, and ice cream. Let's review. So pizza, pasta, hot dogs. I'm, at this point... I'm not immediately turned off. Nope. I would try this. Like I when I when I went to um Pizza Delight one time I made myself a uh, garlic bread lasagna sandwich. There that's you not go. that's not far off. Yeah. Cheese. Awesome. Every good sandwich. Cheese. Cho- chocolate You're- chips. Okay. <clears throat> this Stop. Is, again. Desist. Go back. <laughs> yeah, you turn right now. Let's yep. can we reverse this vehicle, please? Oh god. It's like we're on it, we're on it, we're on a fine straight drive, and then the chocolate chips is the first swerve. Okay. Then corn is overcorrecting in the other direction. <laughs> Cause just like, let's try and get something healthy in there. It's just like, no, no, this is a lost cause. And then, and then along with that is pickles, and then we're just like, okay, you want to talk about competing flavors? You put a lot of pickles on something. That's what you're talking about. A little, I mean, I'm a, I'm a, a pic- little, a little pickle on like a burger or sandwich or something. Totally yeah, fine. I'm a pickles on a sandwich kind of guy. Sure, me too. But it needs to be controlled. And these kids, there's nothing controlled about this. Uh, cookies, talking about steering back in the other direction. Uh, apples, like. Who are we trying to kid here? Like, who are you trying to kid that you need corn, pickles, and apples in a sandwich? Like, just take it out of there and just put the junk in. And then ice cream. Like, <laughs> and then ice cream. Gosh. Uh, this reminds me of someone I know in real life who made a very similar sandwich once. They were just so desperate. They wanted. They were determined to use everything they had in this friend's fridge. And so, like, it had maple syrup oh. and, like, I, I, I want to say... Some sort of like spaghetti and oh, like the, God, it was no. mayonnaise. Maple syrup's another thing. The only thing you can have maple syrup on is pancakes and waffles. Anything else, uh, it just no. No, no, I disagree. Uh, I you could if your maple syrup touches your breakfast ham, that's fine. Uh, I'd rather it didn't. I'd rather it didn't. That's the difference between you and me. That's totally fine. The only thing the if only- it touches your bacon. I Mm-mm. I'll dip my bacon in maple no, syrup, dude. No, Chicken and no. waffles. I think I'm with the majority here. Uh, I don't. I think you're in a I minority. I don't think you are. Oh yeah. Let's. I want to leave this to the listeners. Oh. Are you okay? Will you da- dip bacon bacon in your maple syrup? Write us in Elwood City Limits 
at gmail.com. Hit us up on Twitter at ECL Podcast. <laughs> Hit us up on, on Facebook. I want to see where you are. What is your thoughts on bacon in maple syrup? I think you will be surprised by the answers, especially from the Americans, and especially if they're in the South. Chicken and waffles, that's a thing. You know what I think? I think I'll be disappointed. <laughs> Touche. Uh, and finally, the one I wanted to highlight, they do like a final visual reel of like some of the crazy sandwiches. There's one that is just like a piece of bread and then like a, an, uns- an unpeeled banana sticking out of it and then just a bunch of crap on the side. That's I, not a sandwich. That's an art installation. I want to say a producer. Or put that one together. But he was the, like, I don't know. Dude, would be a great visual for this montage. Let's just put up. It's, like, a, it's like it's like like I have expected like a stapler from the classroom <laughs> to be in one of the sandwiches. It's like it's like last episode. It's like a Salvador Dali painting or something. <laughs> anyway, wow, that this, was this is not a sandwich. <laughs> that was well, that's not. None of them are. Like, there's one that's just like a hot dog facing up. It's just like that's like an open faced hot dog right oh, there. We, we don't want to get into. This, no, we don't. No, I don't. Yeah, We're I, moving I, on. I, it was. I, I've seen a couple Reddit threads here and there about. About the validity of a hot dog being a sandwich no. or not, but let's the quicker we move on, the better. Listen, I love talking about oh, the. No, well, no, 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 I, I don't no, want to no. hear you come no. down on this. I don't want people to get mad at us. No, I don't care because I like talking about the minutia of food. This whole 2017 is X a sandwich thing. I hate it. Burn it down. Moving on. All right, next episode is Buster and the Daredevils. This one has a bit more of a setup than the last one. In fact, it's a little bit of in medias rest. I was just going to say, this is, I, I I love it. I know it's a cliche, mm. but especially, the, and this one's probably one of the most cliches we've gotten so far because time f- literally freezes. Yes. As if I feel like uh, uh, Bubba O'Reilly's going to start playing in the background and Arthur's going to be like, now, I bet you're, that's me. I bet you're wondering how I ended <laughs> up here. But I got to say, it works. It's a cliche for a reason. I'm like, what is going on here? Right. Who are these two new characters? There's it's straight up like Pulp Fiction style. What's in the bag? Like Arthur like opens this bag, looks in, and he's like, oh no, I'm all the way in. I'm strapped in. I'm like, okay, we gotta get to. How did we get here? So Buster's with two mystery kids and doing some kind of dare, and Arthur freeze frames the shot like he's Zach Morris or something, and uh, you know again like takes a look at. He's trying to pick apart this this scenario, just like. You know, they introduced Buster's their good friend. And it was like, well, why does he look so nervous? And what's in this bag anyway? And it really is like a what's in the bag situation. And then that's that's the hook for the episode. He looks at the camera he, and he, he goes. <gasps> he also, they call him Buster the Brave. And just like Buster's like, Buster Brave? And he goes back to, there's a uh, little scene of them at Halloween where Buster's getting scared by everything. Just like. The kid dresses as an alien, just like, Arthur, aliens. And then, like, he looks into a mirror, just like, Arthur, pirates. And I'm like, wow, Buster's kind of stupid sometimes. <laughs> uh, yeah, so the episode itself starts off with Buster and Arthur playing with some Schmansformers. That's right, some GoBots. Yeah, some sh- yeah Schmobots, not again to use the joke, but, you know, off-brand. All, these are off-brand GoBots, because like, I don't know what these are. But... Uh, they're automatic, which is a step above any yeah. transformer I've seen. You press a button and they transform by themselves. Though, begs the question, does that take all the fun out of it? I think so. Uh, maybe, yeah. But I'd still think that would be pretty cool to have, especially for younger kids. Because some of those transformers can get really hard to transform. Let me tell you, I've never transformed my 20th anniversary Optimus Prime. It's too complicated. I bet it is. It's like setting up an Ikea furniture. Uh, so... Arthur is Captain Aster Reed, and Buster is Star Buster, as they just kind of are, you know, 
fake fighting with. Arthur's is like a jet, and Buster's is like a space uh, uh, spaceship. And uh, they're just kind of flying around, pretending to shoot each other. Their laser sound effects are hilarious. They're like in the sandbox, pretending to shoot lasers at each other, just like, just made me laugh. Uh, so then we get introduced to the two new kids in this situation, who we find we find out indirectly that their names are Toby and Slink, the Thrasher kids, the '90s of the the most '90s kids you know. Uh, Slink is a uh, like a younger, bit older than Buster. I'd say maybe they're about maybe ten years old. I'd say, uh, and he's a bunny, and Toby is a bear. I'll tell you what bear. though. As over the top this characterization of, of cool skater kid gets in this episode, <laughs> they hit the nail on the head with their costume design. Like, absolutely, dude in a gray hoodie and other dude in like a lightning bolt uh, t-shirt with his bangs covering his eyes. Yeah, uh, especially the way like the t-shirts are oversized. We get into some other skater fashion later on in this episode, and it's all totally accurate, especially for the mm-hmm. time period of when this episode came out, which uh, was impressive. And I think it really adds to the characterization of what are their names again? Toby and, and Slink. Slink. Uh, yeah. So Slink, I wrote down dresses like Max from Goof Troop. Like you, like you said, he's got kind of that loose-fitting uh, sweater, the loose uh, jeans, uh, and just dresses very baggily, which is which was the thing back then. Toby dresses like I did in junior high. So to- he's got, Toby he's got dresses a- like he's in Odd Future. <laughs> <laughs> he dresses. He's got like a. He's got like a gray. Uh, sweater on hooded sweater, and he's got like brown slacks. Yeah, and uh, so Slink is riding a skateboard, and they've both got their extreme helmets on. And yeah, okay, so let's and, get into and the Toby, introduction. Toby, Toby's of these, on roller rollerblades. Let's get into the introduction of these characters, because like I said, they're true to life. In but they're also not in certain ways. Like it's a kids show, so they're wearing all the necessary protective gear. Yeah. Like both of them are wearing helmets and elbow pads and knee pads. Where I dare you to find a skate park in the let's say Western hemisphere (laughs) where anybody over the age of maybe 10 years old, I guess they maybe are 10, but you're not going to see anybody decked out in the full uh, elbow pads and knee pads unless you're at the X Games or something. Certainly not. Uh, Uh, Also, this, this slang... Man. Well, well, and so as they as are introduced, uh, Slink does actually a pretty cool trick himself. Like he's uh, skating against a bench, and then like the skateboard goes under the bench, and he jumps over it, and he meets it there. Like that was pretty cool. But yeah, uh, their first introduction is righteous skating, Toby, radical land surfing, Slink. Which I have to think that this was the first time the phrase radical land surfing has ever been uttered in human history was when this voice actor said it out loud. I love when writers try to write for cool kids. Oh my goodness. It's something we don't get so much anymore because that was a real 90s thing, but every once in a while, yeah. it's pretty great. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think it will I guess be. the equivalent of this these days is like. On fleek. In, like, Life is Strange, where they're like, oh. F your selfie. Or... Oh, man, yeah. That was not not, not so great. <laughs> uh, so Buster and Arthur are very much impressed by this and ask them if they could teach them to do uh, some cool tricks. Uh, but if, but the whole crux of this episode is that Slink and uh, Toby are far too cool to be playing with a bunch of little kids like them. Just like, well, you are playing in the sandbox. And then... Uh, that Arthur and Buster desperately trying to get their attention to so they can make friends and learn some cool skate tricks and you know just be kind of considered cool. Uh, so they try to emulate them the next day or at some point, and we get some extreme sports wipeouts. Yeah, that's here. right. It's a Thrasher Hall of Meat montage, <laughs> Arthur style. Uh, I was worried at first because 
the first few couple of bails, we missed the actual like yeah. impact. And I was like, oh, that's not as comedic as I thought it was going to be. The camera cuts away. But then we get into some like people falling in the sandbox. People, it, uh, you ever see, you ever see that YouTube video of those two little kids and the one kid falls off the skateboard and he's like, oh man, that rock messed up your line. And the other kid's like crying and he's like, help me, Austin. And he's like, do you want to do something bad to this rock? We could pee on it. And he's like, why would nature do that to me? Uh, I highly, it's my girlfriend's favorite YouTube video of all time. I highly recommend you look up. I think if you type in help me, Austin, uh, you'll find it. But he's like, Man, that F, he, he says the word effing. He goes, that effing rock really screwed up your line. And he's <laughs> like, oh, 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 help me, Austin. He goes, hey, I found the rock. Goody. Um, <laughs> could you stop filming me, please? Okay. And then the, the footage immediately ends. Uh, uh, no, I haven't seen that one. I'll have to check it out. Uh, yeah. So the, actually, the first one is Buster doing a full body press into the uh, into the sandbox. He's trying to jump over the bench and meet his skateboard. Uh, and then a couple other ones are like Arthur's trying to emulate Toby's spin around the pole, which wasn't as impressive as what Slink did, but he gets dizzy and falls over. Uh, Buster almost pulls off the like jumping to meet your skateboard later, but then it catches up with him, hits him in the uh, hits him in the knee, which which when a skateboard is going full speed, especially a pointed one like Buster's, it probably would hurt quite a bit. We get this like close up shot of Buster going ow, <laughs> uh, Arthur fall falling on his butt in into the sandbox, and then Buster trying to f- like kick flip up the skateboard, but it just hits him in the head and lands. Which was probably foot. my personal favorite. Um, uh, solid, solid bail montage. All it's missing is them like breaking their skateboard in between each mess up. Right. You're trying to get that freak out meter. Yeah, exactly. Uh, exactly. The freak out meter. Yes. You know what I'm talking about. Just, yes. Yeah, st- stomp in the middle of it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Toby and Slink were watching them and kind of making fun of them. Just like, and you guys are going to skate today. <laughs> and uh, Toby says, are you kidding? Comic mania just opened. Uh, I- I'm going to, I'm going to say this here. I had it down later to me toby sounds like you know he's got a bit of a little bit of a raspier voice he's just like comic mania just open and to me he sounds like a character from disney's quack pack when uh when huey dewey and louie like it's like the 90s show ever because like you have ducktales huey dewey and louie and then quack pack is the 90s follow-up where they're like surly teenagers who don't want anything to do with uncle donald so like one of them's got a backward baseball hat one of them's got like a flop and the other's got like spiked hair and just like so many comic books yeah you know you know it's no longer like uncle scrooge uncle donald it's like man there's so many comic books and it sound like 40 year old smokers it's i mean it's a very it's it's the 90s cartoon archetype right like he sounds like michelangelo basically it's that you know and not not so not so well actually no not so not so surfy as michelangelo that's it not as michelangelo was more like uh like a valley girl almost (laughs) Or like a California surfer, basically. Yeah, he's he's just like a disaffected '90s uh, youth. Yeah, that's right. Uh, anyway, so that was fun. Uh, so he says they're going to Comic Mania, and then I'll just leave this line here: "Strap-ons, how uncool." Uh, so they, Buster and Arthur, decide to go to Comic Mania. The first thing they see over there is Bionic Bunny versus Techno Turtle. I will say this comic store looks huge, which mm. proves it's the '90s. It's very Midtown. 
so by the first issue of Bionic Bunny versus Techno Turtle, uh, which Arthur says it's probably worth a thousand dollars, like. I don't know about that. Uh, to- Toby kind of comes up to just like, you couldn't pay me to read that baby comic. Actually, kind of hurts to his voice. Uh, and so the comic they recommend is Pea Brain and Nuthead, which is oh, a man. which is the most unsubtle parody of Beavis and Butthead you've ever seen. It's kind of crazy though to think that like Arthur was doing like an on the nose parody like this of an adult TV show. Yeah, like it's it. They do it later on. There's a very specific a, episode. They do, I'm they do it. Of. They do it a lot actually. Uh, yeah. Uh, Late later, they haven't you, done it so much yet. And it's kind of rare in like children's TV. You don't see. Um, yeah. Uh, I usually stuff like that skews a little older. Like I could see like a, a fairly odd parents or something doing this, but sure. like on Arthur's level, it, it's just a welcome surprise. I'm sure for the adults at the time of this extremely on the nose, uh, pea brain and nuthead. Uh, and I got a huge kick out of it, especially because like pea brain and nuthead have no dialogue. Yeah. It's they just, just <laughs> they just do the laugh, <laughs> which I'm sure like being a writer for Arthur, you're right in the age group where you probably thought, uh, Beavis and Butthead was like super annoying at the time and so when you were walking by and you saw it on a TV and you saw them going <laughs> you were like oh my god these well, two well that's why that's why I liked it in fact I'll just include the next line here it's just like they're reading it and, and Buster like does this big like ha 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 this big fake laugh and just Arthur's he just says like laugh but I don't get it. Neither do I. But they don't have to know that. And Arthur's just like, oh, ha, ha, ha. And I I thought this was funny because I don't like Beavis and Butthead. Oh, so yeah? You're not a fan? No. Do you like Mike Judge's other stuff? I like King of the Hill. You like King of the Hill? Do you like Office Space? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's pretty good. Be- Beavis and Butthead, is, it's very much of a time and place. But I think the best stuff yeah. the best stuff from it is the stuff that you don't get to see as much is the uh, uh, them riffing on the music videos. Yeah, but you also kind of have to find those characters funny, and I don't. Like, oh, I, yeah? I just don't. Like, I never have, and I probably never will. Here lies like, Beavis. He never scored. Like, Sure, whatever. Great. It, it, again, it's, it's it's a very specific sense of humor. I appreciate it, uh, specifically that music video stuff. It's it's hard to go back to, I think. Uh, yeah. Beavis and Butthead do America. It's not hold up as well as I thought it would, but... I don't know. I don't. I don't have. I don't harbor any hate for Beavis and Butthead. I don't, and Mike Judge, as far as I'm concerned, he's a legend of the game. He could do no. Oh wrong. no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say I hate it or anything. I just really don't like it. Like there's nothing. <laughs> sure. about There's nothing about it that that's there for me. But but I know a lot of people like it. So whatever. <laughs> Toby says like you know Arthur, Arthur's just like that peanut sure cracks me up. He just he's not a peanut. He's a pecan. <laughs> Uh, so, but and then Buster's next plan to make it perfect to get them on their side is uh, to meet them at the restaurant Billy's Burger Barn, where they are. And this is uh, Arthur Meme Alert right here. I was here. just gonna say Arthur Meme Alert. Absolutely, because we have Buster dressed up in these like '80s mod sunglasses, which he can't see out of, and Arthur dressed as a b boy. He's got himself a backwards baseball cap. He's got a black shirt and these. He says his dad's shorts, which he thinks are gonna fall down. He's like these like cargo. Shorts. These enormous cargo shorts that aren't done up by a belt or anything. I've, I've seen this image used to say, um, it's like on Twitter, and it's like uh, when he says he's a big title fight fan, like the band Title Fight, which uh, to describe it, people say it's like Pearl Jam for millennials who <laughs> put their keys on like a carabiner. That's what okay. Title Fight is. And so, um, and trust me, if you've ever seen like kids who are into that style of music, they dress exactly like Arthur in his like snap, <laughs> snapback and his black t-shirt and his cargo shorts. It was very, very funny looking. There also, there's also a seldom used acoustic sting used as, as the soundtrack here. It's one 
one to note. Arthur looks like he's about to start push moshing at any minute. <laughs> You, you, so you think it's more kind of like grungy or uh, yeah, yeah, hard yeah. rock? I was thinking more like hip hop influenced. Uh, I feel like the cargo shorts is what breaks that. You Maybe don't see a lot of cargo yeah, shorts in hip hop. That's, that's true. I, I, Arthur looks like he walked out of like uh, an an all ages show in 2017 to me. Like fair enough. I'm not. I'm not. So, I'm not so much hip anymore. So maybe <laughs> that's true. Buster has some sweet lines that he drops here, which are funny because it's trying to make Buster sound out of touch. So it's, it's almost ironic. It's almost ironic because it's like it's trying to make fun of Buster's trying to sound out of touch, but the writers already sounded out of touch in the first place. Right. So it's not that uncharacteristic. So. Uh, Buster says, hey, fresh dudes, mind if we chill your crib? Me and my home fry here would like to be in your possum. I mean, posse. It's very, it's a very hello fellow teens. <laughs> yes, that's exactly what it is. Uh, so I thought that was kind of funny. Uh, they initially get turned away, but then Toby and Slink decide to use this to their advantage to make Arthur and Buster do certain dares in order to, uh, in order to get them to basically just embarrass themselves for their for their own entertainment with the promise that they'll teach them cool skate tricks which of course won't happen so their first dare arthur's not really sure about well neither neither of them are but uh their first dare is to do something in public and arthur's about to do it but then sees his mom in dw and just immediately cuts out (laughs) buster in the dirt and Buster's all, I'm Buster, and welcome to Jackass. And, and But Buster's is, so he has to sing Mary Had a Little Lamb uh, out in public, and Buster puts on a full, like, Luciano Pavarotti take on it. You know what, though? When you're in this situation, um, I was in gym class once, and we were playing Stormy Seas, okay. but if you got tagged, you had to do something embarrassing. Yes. And one oh, of them, I remember this, but go on. And, and uh, oh, have I told this story before? No, yeah, but, but go my, on. My gym teacher told me to do I'm a Little Teapot. Yes. The thing is, when you're in this scenario, the best way to do it is you got to not half-ass it. You got to go all in. Yeah. And then you could be like, well, you know what? At least they gave it their best try. So I, I, Buster, like, he puts on a show. And it's like props to Buster. When I did I'm a Little Teapot, I went all in on it. Buster does the same. Yeah. Uh, so the next thing is that they're outside the Sugar Bowl. You know, they say, that you know, this is just one last dare to prove you're not chicken. Uh, Buster goes in. Which maybe a slur, uh, I don't know. But uh, everybody's sitting. It's like Arthur, Francine, Muffy, and Binky, I think. And uh, Buster says, "Excuse me, Arthur, Binky, I have a message for you." What? <laughs> and, and and then he, he he does a thing where he's really nervous about saying it, so he has to think for a second, just like. Lucas is like red in the face right now. He's just like, oh, right. Your mother eats gym shorts. Buster runs up on Binky like he's Kevin Lee calling out Michael Chiesa at the UFC summer kickoff press conference when Kevin Lee was all, yo, your mom's going to buy tickets. And Michael Chiesa was like, don't you talk about my mom. And then Michael Chiesa ran up and got socked in the face. Buster does. It was weird. You know how we talk about Arthur? This might be a little bit of a stretch, but you know how we talk about Arthur predicting the future? I had, like, just watched the UFC Summer Kickoff press conference, and so all this drama, uh, Kevin Lee calling out Michael Chase's mom, I was like, oh my god, Buster's the Kevin Lee in this scenario. He's gonna get run up on by Binky. If only if only Mike Chiesa had uh, dunked a, a, a Sunday on, my, on Kevin Lee's That's right. Lee's had, you know what, though? Had Michael Chiesa had a Sunday on him, I'm not sure he would have done. <laughs> their history of throwing monster energy drink cans at UFC press conferences... Uh, 
If you're not a UFC fan, I highly recommend, if you don't watch at work because there's lots of swearing, mm. look up Kevin Lee calling out Michael Chiesa's that was, mom. That was pretty, that was pretty something. But uh, my favorite part of that whole thing, yeah. as I said to you, was the looks of, like, you could see everybody else, and I, particularly the women, but the men don't look impressed either. They're just kind of there as they're doing this little pull apart between Michael Chiesa and Kevin Lee, and they're just kind of like, uh-huh. Like these, they look incredibly un- there's, unimpressed. There's this one girl, uh, this female fighter, Valentina Shevchenko. Uh, she, everybody else looks towards them because they're all on the same stage. Valentina Shevchenko, I assume she's looking at like a projector screen, or maybe she just doesn't care because she's just kind of smiling and staring off blankly into space as these two men brawl behind her. Just as, just <laughs> these two men have their silly fight. <laughs> We get another one where they're playing baseball, uh, and it turns out that Slink is part of Mighty Mountain. They're uh, they're division rivals, uh, Lakewood Elementary's division rivals. So uh, Buster calls Francine over to the plate saying he needs advice. And the joke here is that Francine says, it's like, what does he need advice for? He's just got to run home as fast as he can. And then Buster, Buster. keep that phrase in mind. Exactly. And Buster plants a kiss on Francine. (laughs) And then... Uh, everybody's really shocked, and Brain says, "What's he doing?" And Arthur says, "He's running home as fast as he can." And it's a, it's a great delivery. It's very dead. It's just like he's just running home as fast as he can. And then it's literally Francine chasing Buster off the field and presumably home. I think she says, "Buster Baxter, I'm gonna clobber you." Gonna or pu- something. I'm gonna pulverize you. I'm gonna pulverize you. you. Which is the- it? Is this the first kiss of the show? Uh, definitely the first kiss of the show. Though you know what? Like this could have been. The way this was played could have gone wrong, but this was this went so right. Like this yeah. is hilarious. Yeah. Francine's face, like the way Francine's like, Buster, what do you have to say to me? And then he just plants one on her. Yeah. And like everybody else is like shock and the, Arthur's like no affectation delivery of, well, I guess he's running home. Uh the timing of it is really what makes it. Yeah. And like Francine's white hot rage afterwards oh, as well. She's furious. Uh, so this is where Arthur resolves that he needs to talk to Buster. He sees him the next day, but Buster's not saying anything, and he writes down that uh, Toby and Slink said he can't speak for a whole day. And Arthur finally convinces him that maybe he shouldn't be doing this anymore. So Buster goes and sees Toby and Slink at the arcade where they're playing, go figure, the pea brain and nuthead fighting game, which again is just kind of them on screen going, <laughs> Well, it's funny because they both kind of do the be- the Beavis, le- or I don't know which one's which. Uh, Butthead, Beavis, I don't remember which one's which. Which, which, which is the one that's Cornholio? He's got TP for his bunghole. It's the blonde one. Um, so you don't know either. <laughs> Beavis. Anyway, I, I, they they do the because there's the one there's the huh, 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 and there's yeah. the eh, eh, eh. yeah. So, but they're both doing the huh, 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 huh. <laughs> they both are kind of whoever that is in that scenario. Hey, just pro tip pro tip for the email. I don't care. Uh, so they kind of brush Buster off at first, but Buster stands up to them a little bit, and but then they trick him by saying that they were finally going to teach him awesome skate tricks and. Uh, like passed down from the legends, and then we get Buster at their sort of Shaolin temple in his uh, imagination, which I thought kind of looked like a bit like an Overwatch control point, like maybe <laughs> on Hanamura or something. But uh, this whole like again, this episode's two for two in fantasy scenarios with the uh, astronaut one first, and now this this like kung fu the TV show <laughs> Buster learning all these skate moves. I half expected him to bust out like a Christ air or something sure. here because he's pulling off all these like uh, physics defined skateboard maneuvers yeah, like, like the salamander the boomerang and finally crane flying over water which is just him lying on the board and flying while flapping his arms and making like a crane noise he's like honk honk <laughs> 
Uh, so they say he has to do one final dare, just one final score, and he's out. So the next day at the playground, uh, Arthur's playing robots with the brain, and his and brains turns into a flying saucer, but he says, I made a few modifications to mine. Remember when we were trying to decide which Arthur character was most likely to vape? It's definitely the brain. <laughs> yeah. The brain's like, oh, yeah, to, I totally unlocked the ohms to get some <laughs> mad clouds. You know what I mean? I got to be careful not to blow the coils, but. Like, you, ever, you ever see that, uh, like, a long time ago we were talking about vines when I was kind of on that. There's a great one of just a guy doing vape trips, like, smoke cloud tricks, whatever, doing vape tricks on, a, like, a chair, and he's just about to, like, rip a fat cloud, and then the guy who's holding the camera just blows a big breath and wipes out, and he just looks at the camera and goes, Adam. <laughs> Yeah, I have to see so that one. Offended. Uh, so Buster wants to play with it, but uh, it's time for the big show, which is what leads us to the opening uh, scenario, which is animated a little differently, I'll add, but whatever. Uh, so the big dare is that in front of all everybody gathered at the playground, Buster's going to eat a bug out of a jar, which is a cricket because it's making like chirping noises. So Buster's to eat a live cricket, which I'm to understand that crickets are not the worst bug to eat, but you certainly wouldn't want to eat live. I don't know. I saw Snowpiercer. It worked all right for them. That's right. That's that, that's kind of what made me think of it. Spoilers. Uh, but, uh, yeah, then... They're making a TV show now. This is... Really? They're yeah. making a Snowpiercer TV show? Mm-hmm. I forget. Really? Uh, there's, like, they... some named actor who's, like, starring in it. I forget who it is, though. Hmm. I don't want to say... Not Donald Glover. Really? Hmm. Mm, you keep talking. I'm going to look this up because okay. I don't want to get this wrong. I'd really like to know because Snow, Snow, yeah. Snowpiercer is pretty cool movie. Uh, but I don't know how you make a TV show out of it unless you're just doing the movie again. But whatever. Um, so Buster, at this point, looks out into the crowd. Arthur kind of gives him like a like a, a, a head nod no. And then Buster turns on them and just says, I dare you to eat the bug. And he really gets him here. Like, Toby and Sling prove that they are not exactly very smart because they got outsmarted by Buster, of all people. Uh, you know, Toby says, how stupid do you think he is? Uh, David Diggs of uh, Hamilton fame. He plays he plays Thomas Jefferson in Hamilton, and he's also half of the rap duo Clipping. He's, he's starring in... I'm in, not familiar in, with him, but that's cool. Uh, Snowpiercer. Uh, so, you know, Toby says, how stupid do you think Slink is to eat that bug? And Slink's like, yeah, how stupid do you think I am? And then Buster's like, oh, so you're saying that you shouldn't have to do something that you're forced to do. And Slink's like, that's right. He's like, well, thanks for telling me. I guess I won't do it. They're just like, oh, wait, wait, uh, Slink? And then they just kind of both uh, go back and forth. I I say this sometimes to myself because I just love the delivery on, you know, Slink's like, nice going, Einstein. Yeah, take this thing. <laughs> it's like, like he does a real, yeah. And it's, it's really satisfying, though. Like, I'll get into this later when we're doing our reviews of the episodes, but not a lot of Arthur episodes have straight-up antagonists. Yeah. Usually they use the characters they already have, and so someone kind of has to play the heel for that episode. Yeah, that's true. Uh, it's interesting how satisfying it's seeing two straight-up villains <laughs> get their comeuppance. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and I point. think that really helps out the ending of this episode. Also, it feels like so much more climactic because it was teased at the start, mm-hmm. and like everybody's huddled there together. There's a lot of people. Like, it's really got a climax vibe of like, mm-hmm. oh, is Buster going to stay up to them, or is he going to eat the deadly cricket? Who knows? And then fi- the final uh, thing of the episode is Arthur, Buster, and Brain playing with their robots. And uh, and speaking of that kid from an hour word from his kids, they're all using their robot voices. Like, you may be tricky, Brain Bot. And then he dares him to, the, like, Brain says, I can transform into anything. Which, I don't know if that's literally true or not with the <laughs> modifications he made. But Buster dares him to turn into a washing machine. 
Uh, and then, you know, it says, quickly, Captain Asterid, put your dirty laundry in him. And then the message there is just like, you shouldn't do something just because somebody dares you to do it, Brain. Like, oh, Brain right. got tricked. We got it by now. Hey, man, Washing Machine Transformer would be all right. Soundwave is maybe my favorite Transformer. Soundwave so. is, is my favorite Transformer. Yeah, so. Even though Transformers. Mm. All right, so let's go back to our first story. What do you think of DW the Picky Eater? Uh, do you actually want to start with DW the Picky Eater? You sure, take I this can. One? Um, so... I kind of feel the same way about these two stories uh, in that I like them. I like them pretty well. Uh, DW the Picky Eater, I must say, I really appreciated the different kind of animation in this episode, as I mentioned earlier. And it's it's fun. It's kind of a – there's not really a, a message to it. But I remember when I was a kid, I was really uh, annoyed by DW in this episode because I didn't like the fact that she was a picky eater. Now, having living with someone who basically has the same preferences as DW, thankfully she's not as – you know, yeah, I don't think your overly, girlfriend's fruit like scream like you put something in front of her and she starts yelling at you. No, no, God, God bless her. She will, she will choke something down for propriety's sake and then just complain about it afterwards. But uh, I, I thought it was, I thought it was pretty fun. There was some funny stuff there, some good reactions. Uh, you know, it, it's not, nece- you know, it's not my favorite episode by any stretch. But I thought that it, it was. Uh, uh, I mean, I, I keep saying funny and fun, but it's true. I, I like uh, DW-focused episodes. Uh, I did like Arthur and Buster's various plans and the one that eventually worked. Some good visuals here and there. The ending was a little bit uh, bit rushed, but I, I kind of got what it was going for and that it was kind of emulating a, a children's book, as I said. So, you know, all in all, pretty pretty fine, fu- a fun episode. And I promise I'll try and stop saying fun. <laughs> I'm a little bit torn on this one. Uh, I was really looking forward to this episode because there's so many moments and images in this episode that were like seared into my brain from childhood, uh, specifically DW puking on the camera. Yeah. Even the word from us kids segment, I remember that wobbly, that wobbly bassy synth and like the popcorn filled sandwich. Like I remember the, that as well. Right. So I was really excited for it. Um, this ended up being one of those episodes where I had a lot more fun talking about it than actually watching I it. I think I agree. You would I, think I it's really funny from our uh, summary of it, but in, there's a lot of fat to it. There's a lot of in-between joke yeah, moments where yeah. it's just kind of, it's okay. Set, set up for the next scene. Exactly. So it ends up being, there's a, it's an episode with a lot of really good moments, but it's not, it's kind of boring to watch, yeah. uh, which was a little bit disappointing. Whereas Buster and the Daredevils is an episode I didn't really remember, mm-hmm. and I really enjoyed it. From beginning to end, it was one of those Arthur episodes that worked with me on all levels for a couple of reasons. One, the in medias res uh, opening. I love a good mystery, and it's one of those episodes where I'd totally kind of forgotten it, so uh, I was intrigued, like, okay, where is this going? Uh, two, I really liked the introduction, even though they might be just one-offs, I really liked the introduction of, is it Toby and Skid? Slink. Slink. Toby and Slink. I liked their characterization, even if it was a little bit ham-fisted of like, oh, we're the 90s kids. Um, But I also thought this episode's plotline is a really good message and moral and something I could relate to. I've already told the story on the podcast of trying to play Smash Bros with those kids that were older than me. That's right. And now looking back, realizing, oh, I was probably just like really annoying and those kids wanted to just hang out with each other. Mm -hmm. Uh, I could see this from Toby and Slick's perspective, even though they kind of become malicious when they try to make fun of Buster and 
uh, take advantage of his uh, goodwill. But I could see like, oh, they don't want to hang out with these kids. And I could all see Arthur and Buster like, oh my God, these kids are so cool. Mm -hmm. They're skaters. I want to hang out with them. So because their motivations were so clear to me and the episode felt really real, I was super invested. And then all the way, I found it was really funny. Like all the different dares Buster had to do were really creative. And the the setup and execution of him kissing Francine was especially a standout. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then we get to the big confrontation at the end, which like I was saying earlier, uh, we see villains get their comeuppance, which is something a little bit rare for an Arthur episode. Mm -hmm. And so it felt like one of those episodes where it, it, um, the conclusion was actually a supernatural conclusion. It didn't feel out of nowhere, especially because Arthur's been the voice of reason, Mm -hmm. uh, which isn't a role we actually often see him in. Like sometimes he'll give advice here and there, but really this episode, uh, is Arthur's the main character and he's trying to help Buster succeed. Like he's struggling to help Buster see the light. And so seeing Buster's uh, sort of turn at the end and being like, you know what? No, I'm not going to do it. It's a very triumphant moment. Okay. So I guess what I'm saying is I really, really enjoyed Buster and the Daredevils. Good. Uh, yeah, I, I kind of feel, like I said, feel kind of the same way as I did about the first story. Uh, it's, it's good. Uh, I think it works better as... Uh, you know, you know, you, you you hit the nail right on the head with the first one because I did have a better time talking about it than I did kind of watching it. I think this kind of falls in the same category. It works a little better when you're kind of viewing it as kind of just a fun episode rather than an episode with a message. Because I feel like the message of it, which is, you know, you shouldn't do something just because somebody dares you to do it. I felt it was a little overstated. Like, you know, there was so many dares that Buster had to do that by the time he did like dare three or four, you're just like, okay, well, he shouldn't be doing this. And they have to kind of, you know, pointedly stated at the end I'm like alright well that's a little clunky but the the elements of it like even just seeing it in retrospect of just like you know 90s fashion and slang kind of being put on blast a little bit you know the, the pea brain and nuthead kind of thing I thought that that held up pretty well I thought the animation was good uh, good voice performance uh, from Buster's voice actor and uh, I, 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 had, I had fun with it but it, as kind of a straight up episode it doesn't deliver all the way but it makes a it makes a pretty good one two of these episodes where it's like they're fun they're not the greatest Arthur episodes ever but they're fun enough to watch with friends or, or just talk about or whatever so definitely nothing really wrong with them might be the greatest word from us kids ever though yes I think that's the content <laughs> I think that's the contender right now aside from it was the one where they made up their own endings to the Arthur episode. I thought that was a really creative one. And I, they brought that back. I, you know, I was actually thinking independently today about that one where that girl is giving, like, the tour of her that's classroom. A, that's a really and good I one, think, too. I think just for her, like, that's a top contender. But could, th- this one, I, cu- I couldn't wait to talk about because I was so disgusted. We got to get her and the alien kid in the same room. Yeah, we do. We need we And need... then get them to come up with their own endings. There you go. That's the perfect word from us kids. <laughs> also, I'm biased for uh, Buster and the Daredevils because it allowed me to talk about the UFC summer kickoff press conference. You were you were vibrating with excitement. You, I, couldn't, was, you, could, you couldn't wait. <laughs> it was it was for me. It was too perfect. So <laughs> I have it written out all in caps. Kevin <laughs> Lee, Michael Chase. Uh, shout out to that fight. It's for free on uh, on TSN if you're in Canada on Fox Sports One if you're in America. It'll be very fun to watch. Well, there you go. That's uh, that's our Arthur episode for today. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Uh, quick shout out to our social media platforms. Uh, Facebook Facebook.com slash Elwood City Limits. I want to hear, do, are you okay with bacon dipped in maple syrup? I want to hear from the listeners. 
Will, I want to hear from your girlfriend. I think I have an idea of what her answer is going to be. Uh, it's it's no. <laughs> uh, she likes bacon, but not maple syrup. Uh, yeah, hey, you can tweet at us at ECL Podcast. Thank you to everybody who recently followed us. We had a we had a big blow up with one of our posts. Turns out a lot of people like Junji, the works of Junji Ito which is A-OK with me. Uh, see our Twitter for more on that. Uh, ElwoodCityLimits.tumblr.com. Just today, we got a very nice message from Demixian, who is a big f- fan of ours. Thank you, Demixian. Very nice words. And uh, very much appreciate that. I'll send it to you later. Uh, if you want to send us an email with the answer to that question or any question or any kind of feedback, uh, ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. We can read it here on the air. Finally, the two ways to hear us are SoundCloud.com slash ElwoodCityLimits. Or if you're... Uh, into the Apple side of things, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, and if you could rate and review us, we would really appreciate it. So, Lucas, we've got one more episode this month before you go on vacation. I was going to ask, if you don't mind saying, where are you going on vacation? I'm going to Vancouver, BC. I haven't been there since I was a little kid, so I'm very excited. Very nice. Maybe we have a listener or two over in Vancouver, uh, so you could see Lucas Mancini with your own two eyes. Get to meet him. Uh, Anyway, for what it's worth, We've got one more uh, episode, and then we're going to be putting up our season one review episode on the week that Lucas is off, the final week of May, first week of June. But next week, we'll be back with a new episode. It is Arthur Makes a Movie, and go to your room, DW. I feel like you might, you and I, you and I, but especially you may have a lot to say about Arthur Makes a Movie, since you've been kind of involved in making movies yourself. You have friends who uh, make movies. For sure. Uh, the title's intriguing, I, and I'm excited because I don't remember it whatsoever, so I'm going in blind. All right. Okay, so that's the end of the episode. Get in touch with us however you like, and uh, follow us on channels, and keep on listening. We really appreciate all the feedback. My name's Will Young. Lucas? Scrub it. <laughs> well, that's a top contender for the name of this episode. Can't imagine anything else might beat it. We'll have to wait and see. All right. For Lucas Mancini, this is Will Young. Thanks for joining us. We'll catch you next week.